0: This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. I'm going to talk about the biggest mistakes of the NFL season. Starting on January 1st, that's the parameters I'm going to put on that because you don't want to say calendar year. You don't want to say just of the offseason. Let's start January 1st. I uh, And this is kind of separate, but I'm going to fold it in. I spilled a ton of water on my laptop earlier today. And maybe like two or three hours ago. And it was the kind where you've had this before, where time slows down. And you're thinking like, oh my God, I am so screwed and I'm going to need a new laptop and it's Sunday evening and nothing's going to be open and I'm not going to be able to do my job. All the things that go through your head in like the half a second that you see the water spilling out, you've had that before. It's like the same phenomenon as you you see yourself sort of locking a door that you don't have a key for and you're like, "Ah, I'm going to lock myself out. Ah, Okay, it's locked. Like that's it. Time slows down. So I had that water spillage onto the laptop. And then the dampest thing happened. I got away with it. Like the water got into the crevice of the MacBook Air. It, it was it pooled there. I was able to get a napkin. Literally nothing happened. Like long-term damage. And I was thinking, and this isn't the, the, the trigger for this segment, but I was thinking like, it's not about what I did. It's what I could get away with. It's how I could get out of that situation. So, it doesn't matter that I spilled a bunch of water like an idiot. I'm good. It's 10 p.m. now, and I'm out of the situation. I'm good. NFL teams have two types of mistakes. Mistakes you shouldn't have made, but you can get away from, and nobody notices after about five minutes because every franchise makes mistakes. I mean, the Chiefs are one of the best franchises in football, and they have a JV squad. They got they got Iowa's receivers out there. Um so there's those, and by the way, like they'll get away with it. We're going to get to that. And then there's the ones that change the entire tone of an organization, change what the job is. If you take a coaching or GM job, those those types of mistakes, franchise altering, city altering, mood altering mistakes. So I asked a crowdsource this one, and just because I wanted to see. Because first of all, I love. Like, if you've ever heard the phrase, all politics is local, there's nothing more local than what people think is the biggest problem, or biggest mistake a team has made. Like, I put that out there. What is the biggest mistake a team has made this calendar year? And the amount of people who said, like, Brian Johnson being promoted offensive coordinator, literally, I think I got three to 400 responses in general. I'd say 25 of them were people saying Brian Johnson, the Eagles office according to being promoted. They're 10 and 1. They're gonna, they're probably gonna make the Super Bowl. It's a boutique problem, it's a champagne problem. But again, all politics is local. It's nothing, sports is local. Everything, it's, everything feels like a 10% teapot. I had people say the biggest mistake anybody made, there were people who said keeping Staley, which I don't think is true, as far as worst mistake. But then the people who said, it one person said to me, the Chargers not drafting a tight end. Okay. Well, I think other people screwed up a little bit more than that particular issue. Um, but some of these things I don't think are that big a deal. In hindsight, yeah, you probably should have fired Brandon Staley. But I don't think that that's a franchise crippling mistake. You do it this year, you figure it out. Justin Herbert's not going to leave. If doesn't never tried to leave over it, then yeah, it becomes a franchise crippling. But that's not, that's not what happened. Um, I had people who said rolling it over with Mac Jones, running it back. I completely disagree. There are a lot of cases to be made that Belichick failed Mac Jones last year, and this year Mac Jones is failing everybody else. I mean, he had Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling his plays. Like that's called failing a kid. Um, I don't think Mac Jones is the answer, but I I don't I don't think it would have been beneficial to to go out and sign Joe Flacco coming into camp. I don't think that would have helped. Um and also they're going to get a top 2 pick. But I think that there are I mean, I'm not going to get into like process mistakes and all that stuff, but I think there are two real problems that have changed organizations, the trajectory of organizations, and, and how a team views itself. Two of those mistakes. I'm going to tell you what is not on the list, which I think a lot of people thought should be on the list, and that's Aaron Rodgers basically naming himself GM or being hired as GM, whatever you want to call it. There were some people who said signing Aaron Rodgers, which was ridiculous. The Jets needed a quarterback, and they went out and they got a, a multiple-time MVP. So, that's fine. Whatever you want to say, process, whatever, that, that part was fine. I think that the reason it's not a franchise crippling mistake, even it's a, it's a season crippling mistake, but only because Rodgers, the quarterback, when healthy, bails out Rodgers, the GM. Um, I saw some people say, listen, like, like Lazard getting $22 million guaranteed, Cook, seven, Hardman, $3 million, Cobb, $3 million. Um, Those were bad, bad decisions. Not all of them, by the way, influenced by Rodgers, although obviously Lazard and Cobb are his friends. Having Tim Boyle on the roster is a Rodgers decision. Having Nathan Hackett as offensive coordinator is a, is a Rodgers decision, um, or, or is, was an attempt to to get Rodgers comfortable with the infrastructure before he came. Um, but... Rodgers, the quarterback, at his peak, solves all of those problems. And so everything can be traced back to a catastrophic injury on the first drive of the season, and I just don't think you can put that in the category of the things we're talking about. So, oh, and the other one, by the way, and we're going to get to this later. I, I actually don't, the Daniel Jones extension is stupid, but... I don't think it's going to prevent them over the next five years from doing anything that they, they want to do. I, I don't. Um, I don't even know where they were going anyway. Um, Brian Dable will keep his job unless they want to work something out with Buffalo. Like, you know, does he want to go somewhere else? I don't know. Um, the Wink-Martindale relationship seems to be devolving by the second. But that's not in my top two here. If anything, the, the Giants thing is three. And I've killed them up and down for the contract, but the, the, this, we're, we're going to have a, a two-pronged attack here of mistakes that have altered a franchise. Number two is the Derek Carr contract, which I know people say is 150. It's really three years, 100, when you look at guaranteed money. And boy, oh boy, is that an awful contract. Um, I did not see the specific numbers, but I do know that it's been his numbers are uh, compare unfavorably to Andy Dalton uh, at this point. Last year, um, the amount of divisional games with zero touchdowns scored for the Saints. Fifteen seasons with Drew Brees he did it two times. This season with Derek Carr on November twenty sixth, he has done it two times. He throws pick sixes. They have gone from. One of the best teams in NFL history in the red zone to the fourth worst in the NFL. Now, obviously, that's Sean Payton and Drew Brees combining for it. They still have the same offensive coordinator from those days, although that was in in name only, P. Carmichael. They're going to have to fire Dennis Allen. I don't know what you do with Mickey Loomis. And and part of this, and this is something that part of this is is the Saints like to compete every single year. And that's fine, and that's admirable. I remember Greg Rosenthal saying, you know, the Saints win a bunch of games, which has somehow become underrated. Um, and if you, look at, if you look at the numbers, like last 10 years, last 15 years, last I think last, even last five years, like the Saints are really high on the wins list, really high among NFL franchises. They know how to compete. But sometimes you chase mediocrity, and surprise, you end up mediocre. Isn't that funny? You chase mediocrity, and you get it sometimes. Um, And then there's number one. And I think that we can fold basically everything into it. And I'm just going to say Panthers. Because I don't know if I've ever seen a mistake like this in my decade covering the league. And here's what I mean with that. They've changed what it means to work for the Carolina Panthers. The job of head coach and GM of the Panthers is to make it work. By the way, I would briefly say that the job of a Saints coach is to make Derek Carr work going forward. That's why I would put that next to, as as at number two behind this. The job of a Panthers head coach is to make the owner's quarterback work. That's the job description. That's really bad that... You basically have to, it's like the movie *Tenant*. you have to go back in time, backwards into time, and solve the owner's whims. And make them look good. Make make what David Tepper did true. That Bryce Young is the number one quarterback in the draft class. It seems impossible uh, at this point, and it gets more impossible every single week. Here's a stat that I can't believe. Um, the Panthers have scored the same or fewer points six weeks in a row: 24 points, then 21, then 15, then 13, 13, 10 last week, and 10 today. They lost to the Titans. They are one and ten. They do not have their first overall pick. David Tepper was seen after the game saying the F word. But I want to get into, and people said said, and media and fans have said, who's going to take that job? Well. You take that job for two reasons. Number one, a whole boatload of money. The difference between being a head coach and being a coordinator in this league financially is massive. You can get generational wealth by David Tepper believing in you for one week and then six months later not believing in you. You can acquire, Matt Rule acquired $40 million in buyout money that way. Matt Rule, there are going to be generations of rules running around Palm Beach, and the Jersey Shore in 2080 living great because David Tepper got talked into hiring Matt Rule. So, yeah, that's number one. And the the second thing is ego. You take that job because you think you can fix Bryce Young. And by the way, if you can't, you get $40 million. And if you play your cards right, people might think that you – you weren't the problem. David Tepper was. You make another job and get another $40 million. The goal of this little game is to acquire as many $40 million buyouts as possible. I've not seen that rules buyout at Nebraska. My guess is it's a whole lot. It's a pretty nice fallback plan is to be rich and unemployed. My life goal is to be good enough In the college game, in the college game, I'd say. Good enough to get a lucrative extension, bad enough to get fired. Jimbo Fisher is the American dream. If he is not your hero, get a new dream. But I want to hang on the Panthers here for a second. Because they have no talent. They traded away anything that could possibly help Bryce Young and CJ Stroud continues to look like not only the best quarterback in the draft class, but a genuine superstar. He was making throws on Sunday. It wasn't perfect, but he was making throws on Sunday that it's going to be a very long time um, until Bryce Young can even approach that, if ever, if ever. But once... And they will not move on from Bryce Young. They will not do anything. I saw somebody ask me in the listener question, they said, are the Panthers playing for the 2025 first overall pick? Barring catastrophe every single week for the next two, two years, like a Zach Wilson situation. I'm not ruling it out, but I don't think we're trending that way. Um, I don't think they're going to do anything other than try to help Bryce Young for the next, let's call it, three years. That includes coaching. And if you don't want to fix Bryce Young, you shouldn't go there. If you're not a player who can help Bryce Young, you should not be considered to be a trade candidate, a signing candidate, whatever. This is how the Panthers are going to operate over the next few years. Make what David Tepper said true. That's the job. And I think everybody just kind of has to know that. Like, I just, this is a little bit separate, but I would fire Ryan Day. I'm just going to go on a little tangent here for a second. I'd fire Ryan Day because the job is to beat Michigan. There are 50 programs, and I'd say 30 of them in Power 5, where you can make a bunch of money beating the crap out of your conference rivals, winning 10 games a year, not winning your conference, which he hasn't done since 2020, and everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. Go to South Carolina, beat Clemson every other year. Hell yeah. But the job at Michigan, excuse me, the job at Ohio State is to beat Michigan. That's the job. To the contract. You're judged on one thing, he doesn't do it. Place more or less recruits itself for most of the time, and then Brian Hartline goes and gets the, the South Florida kids to play wide receiver. Hopefully that changes. No bias here. But anyway, the Panther situation becomes a bit of a doom loop. And I do not expect Frank Reich to come back. I mean, if the owner's yelling the F word, if there's local reports that he's um, that <laughs> Reich seat is on fire, um, I don't think I don't think there's much drama there. The GM hasn't done really anything. He's now on a second coach. although the rule was kind of sold as a program builder, so maybe uh, there's a separate sort of category there, but. This this needs to end, and I would do it now. Like I would do it now. What what could Dave what could David Tepper see out of Frank Reich in the next month that'd be like? You know what? Let's let's run this back. I li- I like what I saw from Frank Reich. Like everybody's miserable. Reich wants to get paid out and go golf. I played a nice golf course last summer, and they said Frank Reich was there the other day before. That sounds nice. Take the thirty million dollars and go play that course all the time. I don't think he's a member, but that's what the thirty million dollars is for. Um, so, these are the mistakes that Ultra Franchise... I saw a photo earlier of the Texan Stadium. And it wasn't full today. It was not full today. And it looked bad at kickoff, and then I had some Texans uh, media basically say it filled up a little bit, but again, it was not full. And the reason it wasn't full is because the entire fan base opted out of Texans football because they were burned because of a handful of decisions. Number one being giving Bill O'Brien too much power, letting him wreck the franchise, and to his credit, Nick Casario navigated the Deshaun Watson trade very well, Um, but then handing over the franchise to Jack Easterby, who was only fired 13 months ago, team chaplain. When that happens, it takes years, years for the franchise to come back. Years and Houston now is a superstar young quarterback a head coach that I think is on one of the best young coaches in football and the city of Houston is like eh i don't know we were burned last time and this this tepper thing like you, at some point you get in a permanent state of apathy at some point even the good things Seem like mirages because you just get so, so burned. I mean, like, again, I I think that you can get into a loop like the Browns did at the, be- the beginning of the last decade, and that just continued, which is you hire war- bad people because no one will take that job. And then you have to give them a ton of money. And then, surprise, the bad people you hired are bad. And it's really hard to get out of that. And then they had to basically go out and give Andrew Berry the world. I'm pretty sure Andrew Berry changed the entire pay structure of how GMs are paid. Um, I think that has since been uh, that market has since sorted itself out a little bit more when you think about some of the people who are uh, considered the best in, in, in football, but like that's what they had to do in order to change themselves. And maybe Tepper will just keep doing that over and over and over again, but trading up, Not surrounding himself. And by the way, I've had had some people in the league, in the league and in media, ask me the question, what would have happened if Bryce Young wasn't the pick and C.J. Stroud was? Would C.J. Stroud thrive in this environment? I'll tell you what would have happened is C.J. Stroud, it's like the cousin of the what would have happened if Mahomes went to the Jets thing with Adam Gase. It's that Stroud would have had some really great throws and we would have seen a lot of promise, but he'd also get his ass kicked a lot because of the offensive line. And he'd also have the... I'm like, they called a screen behind the line of scrimmage on fourth and sixth today. What what What's Bryce Young supposed to do with that? What would C.J. Stroud do with that? This is a lost franchise. And I, I frankly... I I try to make my living on saying, well, here are the next three things they should do. I I don't hire a smart football person after this very soon and let them work. I did my whole rant last week on on bad ownership. But, you know, Tepper's in meetings with Frank Reich. I mean, first of all, maybe Tepper could tell him not to call a screen on fourth down behind the sticks, or behind the line of scrimmage even. Um, But... I think that's the, the first path forward, and then you go from there. But the point here is that not all mistakes are created equal. And I think that people kind of run the gauntlet, whether that's <laughs> Ben Johnson being promoted to OC or keeping Staley, and those are, those are just very tiny mistakes. These are mistakes you can paper over very, very, very easily. Um, but there are franchise crippling mistakes. And they're normally mistakes of ego. They're normally mistakes of chasing something you should not be chasing. The Panthers were chasing stability with a franchise quarterback. And instead, they found the most unstable situation of the last decade. Perhaps there's a bunch of those up there. I don't want to make a definitive declaration on that. But one of the most hopeless situations for the next few years. And I've I've waffled on this, and I thought maybe okay, maybe there's a path forward here. I think even as last late, late as last week, I'd say oh, like no, this is getting incredibly grim. Bryce Young has nine touchdowns this year. Tommy DeVito has eight in five games. Like that's that's where we're at right now. So and I I you know listen, the Saints and Derek Carr, they could have gotten more of the smoke. I just wanted to focus on the Panthers a little bit more today. Um when you chase stability for the sake of it, sometimes you get nothing. You get nothing. And so I know it's a, it's like it's like uh it's like a defense trying to limit explosives, right? You shouldn't be you shouldn't build your franchise around not making these crippling mistakes. Um, but you should be guarding against it at all times in some way, and just saying, are we the type of franchise? That does this, that sells the farm for Bryce Young with no talent around us, with no hope, with no flexibility, with the the head coach who doesn't seem that into it, um, doesn't even know who wants to call plays, doesn't call plays, does call plays, all this back and forth, like doesn't seem to have a staff that's ready to go. Um, Are you that type of franchise? And, I mean, for the love of God, not even the Chargers are that franchise. The Chargers have building blocks. When the Chargers' job comes open, which we'll see with the second half of the game happening right now, when that job comes open, it's going to be a... You're not going to have to... First of all, you're not going to have to overpay, but also the Spanos family wouldn't, so problem solved there. Um, But it's going to be a place people want to go. People want to go there. Like, I don't think Ben Johnson would go there because he could get more money elsewhere, but like... Or want to go, that wouldn't be the first choice, but like if he had if he had a choice between that and Vegas, hell yeah, you're taking Justin Herbert. Hell yeah, you're taking some of that roster. I mean, the Bills will come due on those contracts, but still, like the Chargers oh we put it this way. The Panthers make the Chargers look like the 60s Packers right now. That's what that's what we're looking at. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code BET amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, one thousand two hundred fifty dollars Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call one 770 stop Licensed through Horseshoe Bossier City and Hannah's New Orleans, Maine, call 1 800 327 5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1 800 Gambler, 1 888 427 426 2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1 800 Gambler. Dot net New York. Call eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope four six seven three six nine. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, Flynn, questions? We're going to start with Ricky who asks, who would you rather be moving forward, the Jags or the Texans? All right, so... This was a phenomenal question because who um, the Jaguars won today? The Jaguars, the Jaguars might mess around and be the number one seed, and this was a game on the road. In a and I'm not—I was not denigrating Texans fans earlier. I understand why they would stay away. For God's sake, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. I'm, I would never. Make attendance jokes. I was just making a broader point about how long it takes a fan base to trust a team um, in Miami hurricane's case, a hundred years and counting. Um, but it was a loud environment. The fans were, looked like, you know, tailgating all day, looked like a ton of fun. And, and the, the fans were, were, were rowdy um, going on the road against a team that was on the ascent with CJ Stroud throwing darts all over the place. This was an impressive win. Next. Five years. So this year, the answer is the Jaguars. More complete team. Won a playoff game last year. More uh, mid-tier free agents. The Jaguars have a different roster. Different type of roster. When you think about the free agents that they went out and they signed just a couple of years ago. They're ninth in the NFL in spending on middle-class players, according to Over the Cap. Um, If you kind of... You no, know, they've they have five high paid players, that's nine percent of their cap. Um, it, that kind of roster. Now they do lead the NFL in rookie money spent just because I think they have a ton of rookie contract guys. Um that's rookie contract, not rookies. Um, that means you know, having a quarterback on a rookie deal, that kind of stuff matters. Um, but they have more probably an older roster because they're two years ahead. In the timeline, if you consider that, um, there are year. I do count as a year, even though uh, some people don't. I do count as a year. Uh, Trent Balke, by the way, was still there. Um, the Texans lead the NFL in low contract money, literally lead the NFL. And they are sixth in spending on rookie contract guys. Um, so they're at similar points of their life cycle, but the Jaguars are two years ahead. And the reason I'm taking the Jaguars this year, but the Texans over the next five years is because of that, is because CJ Stroud is a rookie. The Texans get another chance. I think Nick Casario is a better general manager than Trent Baalke. And I think that they get to plug holes. If they're already this close to the Jaguars, they'll get to plug holes as they go along. I'll give you an example. They have one elite player, elite paid player on their roster this is the Texans, and zero high-paid players. Zero. Seven middle-class players. So eight players making above a rookie or minimum or close to minimum type of deal. Eight players not making those deals. So they get to plug holes over the next two years and get this team to be where it needs to be. And you find out what kind of receivers CJ Stroud needs. Is it T. Higgins or is it a type of a different type of receiver? I'll never forget, I know that it this is aged poorly, but I'll never forget after Mahomes' first year talking to Brett Veach about what kind of receiver pairs well with Mahomes. And it was not I, I was I'm sure they would have loved to go out and get any of the the top wide receivers in football. Yeah, I'm sure AJ Brown would be great. Um but, and AJ Brown wasn't even in the league when we were talking about this, but it was more of the Antonio Brown speedster over the middle who could improvise. What he looked at, he looked at those Steelers teams, and he looked at how those guys were so fast and so smart when the play broke down. And that's what you needed from second year and third year Mahomes is he's got a cannon, so you can t- – t- Take guys who run 4-4, 4-3, and just figure the rest out later. Cause they can you can just chuck it down and, and just, just hope that they'll figure it out. And then the guys who can kind of improvise when the play breaks down. If you're, I'm sure you remember second year Mahomes. It was unbelievable. But there's a type of player that you're gonna be able, you're gonna learn what this offense needs because CJ Stroud is so good as a rookie. And I think that's an advantage. Um, I think CJ Stroud looks better. As a rookie, than Trevor Lawrence did. Again, we'll pay the Urban Meyer tax on that one. He was in the one of the worst situations in the fo- in the modern football history, but he was still out there playing. And CJ Stroud looks better. CJ Stroud has turned around the franchise very, very quickly. Um, so, if you're asking me again, like the, the question, it, I, I, you can answer this question, and I, I see this all the time. Like I, you know, ESPNs do like the future power rankings. And it was always like, well, this person's coming off the cap. This person's coming off the cap. Like, we are all so bad at projecting who's going to be good in two years, who's going to be good in three years, who's going to be. I'm like, look at, you know, know, we see this all the time as college. All the time where it's like, oh, this recruit is going to be starting this sophomore year game in the swamp. And it's like, probably not. He's probably not because even five stars have a 50% bust rate. And now we have the portal, like projecting anything more than a year out, unless it's quarterback, coach, GM, or absolute superstar is foolhardy. So I'm not going to go through roster versus roster and say, this team is better. This team is better. You look at the bones and the bones in Houston are D'Amico Ryans, who I think is a young star, CJ Stroud, and then Nick Casario. I think Nick of those three is the weakest link, but I don't think it's that weak and then everything, and Will Anderson, by the way, haven't even mentioned him, who's awesome, and his, his his pressure numbers and his production has been awesome this year. So, I'll take those guys, roll them out over the next five years, I'm in. And listen, this is not to say the Jaguars are, are going to be stuck in the mud or stuck in the middle, like Josh Allen, the, the, the generating as much pass rush as anybody in the league this year. Um, he's really good. And... I think that they're going to be a, a perennial playoff team. I just think the ceiling is higher for Houston, seeing what I've seen over City's throughout the last month. All right, Flynn, what do we got next? Daniel asks, how do we continue with this state of refereeing? All right, so Daniel wrote a very thoughtful, long email that I can't read all of it, um, partly because it's long, partly because I just, don't actually know where it is in my inbox right now. Um, but he floated the idea, and this is the reason I wanted to answer the question. He floated the idea of some sort of solution being, and I saw people say this today because there were so many bad calls, um, of kind of a eye in the sky, we've got so many HD cameras types of guy, type type of person. And I've seen so many sports where the replay, including the NFL, where the replay, I mean, yesterday in college or Saturday in college was abysmal. They would stop the game, whatever game I was watching, they would just stop it. I don't even know the replay process. It just seems like whenever they want to look at it, they'll look at it. And I don't know if that's because the officials are bad or whatever, but it was awful. It was an awful product. And it just, and I don't know why referees, we, someone somewhere can't say, referees, you are no longer responsible for this. We'll loop you in if there's a problem or we need some clarification, but there's gonna be a guy in at the NFL 345 park offices who's gonna do this because there's 150 HD cameras and 4K cameras, and we're gonna figure out if this needs to be stopped. Now you do a couple of rules, right? Like the Josh Allen thing. Yeah, it should have been a horse collar. Those horse collar Uh, A late hit, like an egregious late hit that nobody's away from the play that nobody saw. Those kind of things should be able to be legislated and you get a little buzz and you do it. Um, If there's something that's just absolutely – like I would would extend it to even quote-unquote judgment calls. I think that there should have been an eye in the sky at the NFC title game between the Saints and the Rams who would stop that and say, let's have a little common sense. And throw a flag. Let's have a little common sense. And I'm talking about just the most egregious things, but that would help speed up the game. What do we do? Why do we need 11 angles of this stuff? Why do we need 11? A- Let's get more. Ca- is, there a, is there a money issue? I don't think so. Like there, there's a lot of things going there's a lot of cameras down there. So I would expand. I would do two things I would expand what is reviewable. And I would streamline that process by having the eye in the sky look at it quickly and make a determination because what I would, what I would expand being reviewable is black and white judgment calls. Did this happen? Did this not? And I don't think some of this stuff should be like, I don't think it's necessarily like a coach's challenge system. I think it's more of if there's something egregious you know, things like, uh, did the ball get back to the line of scrimmage on intentional grounding? Stuff like that. Was he out of the tackle box on intentional grounding? Stuff like that. Um, that's the kind of stuff an eye in the sky should solve. I think you could completely overhaul refereeing in a month. Get those guys down there in Florida at the owner's meetings. Get everybody in a room. Overhaul it in a month, and you could have a better product. So how do, we, how do we go forward with refereeing? A complete technological overhaul. And I don't care... I don't know if, if if it looks like a better TV product, if it's a guy standing there or whatever. I don't know if referees... Like, referees, I'm sorry to say, the NFL referees are really good. They're really good. But the product is too important to leave to those guys, if that makes sense. Like, I did a story about this a couple of years ago. Like, are NFL games just too fast to referee? Are there too many rules? I remember Pereira saying you could basically see... The back of guys' heads, just like, oh, the league wants me to do this and this, and this is a point of emphasis, and, like, it slows them down. You're only helping them by giving them an eye in the sky to clean everything up if there's something egregious. So that's the answer. It's 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 so obvious it needs to happen, and I, I hope it does. All right, Flynn, what's next? We'll end with Anastasia, who wants to know if the Giants are really going to run it back with Daniel Jones next season. So – I mentioned earlier, by the way, Tankathon, this is where we are in the NFL now. Tankathon, the website that tells you who what every pick is, is routinely like the server crashes from like 7 10 every single night for me. Um, every single Sunday. It did last week. It finally loaded for me today. Um, so the Giants are picking sixth now. And Tommy DeVito, they've won two in a row. Tommy DeVito, obviously, he's... Living on a dream, not going to make fun of him. He's not the long-term answer, obviously. Um, Daniel Jones isn't either, but they will run it back. Um, I would not fire Brian Dable. I don't... Remember, the Giants made a bunch of bad coaching hires. And I don't... Like, this isn't like the Kraft family, where I'm like, well, the Kraft family kind of knows what they're doing, the smart folks, like they, their process is... is... Usually pretty sound. Let's see what happens with them. Um, No, the Maris, they hired Joe Judge. They hired Ben McAdoo. They hired Pat Shermer. Like, Brian Dable's been the best of that since they hired Tom Coffin. Because they fired Tom Coffin. And so, I would just stick with Brian Dable and hope for the best. So, the contract is two years, $82 million. Then there's an out after that. $22 million dead cap, which... I would bet any amount of money they will take that dead cap and, and and either and release to do something. He's not he's not going to make the forty million forty one million dollar cap hit that is due to him in 2025. And he's certainly, oh my god, gonna uh take the cap hit of fifty-eight million dollars in twenty twenty-six. So that would obviously be that that's there for for a bunch of weird contractual reasons I don't want to get into. Um, But that's probably not, even if they would restructure, even if he was the biggest superstar in the league, they would restructure that deal or or tack a new one on That's why they have that there. So, they're gonna run it back. They're gonna run it back. And there's so many holes that I don't know, I don't know what you do. It's funny because Tankathon has a little mock draft here and they have Edge and UCLA going, but they need offensive line help, even though they've put some emphasis on that. I don't know if you you go there with a sixth overall pick. um, Deontay Banks, obviously their cornerback, I think had two interceptions today, including one awful, awful, awful Mac Jones pick. Um, Good Lord, that was bad. Um, But they're going to have a lot of opportunities here. Uh, What happens? Would a Brock Bowers look good? For them, even though they obviously went out and they addressed the tight end position, um, I don't think any of the quarterbacks on the second level would make a lot of sense. I don't see right now a receiver worthy like Marvin Harrison's going to go third. Um, I mean, they, listen, I'm not saying they're going to pick six. Who, who the hell knows what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks? But like. It, it drops precipitously at some point, and you have Williams, Harrison, May, Olufashanu, Joe Walt. It's the top five when I'm looking at this mock draft right now. Obviously, Brock Bowers, he's battled injury, but he's extremely good. Dallas Turner from Alabama, very, very, very good. Um, there's a couple other guys who I think are on the second, on the second wave there. Um, the Giants are in a tricky, tricky, tricky situation. Um, because I think they thought they could be in the mix for for a May or a Caleb or a Marvin Harrison or one of the tackles, even though obviously they, I mean, Evan Neal is just now what they thought he'd be. I'll put it that way. Um, so I don't know. I I would I would long story short, I would run everything back. I would try to improve the roster, and I would try to keep Daniel Jones healthy and just see what you have just one more year of Daniel Jones. Um if he's as bad as maybe we all think, then they'll be picking at the top of the draft in 2025 and this will all sort itself out. But they really don't have much of a of a um of a choice. Um if they were picking top 2, I don't think they would have much of a choice. They would take a quarterback and deal with Daniel Jones later. Um he is not so consequential as to change the the tenure of the franchise nor by the way is this contract. Like I know that we all can't process this, but like he has a forty-seven million dollar cap it next year. Fine, that stinks. If you're a regular guy like you and me and producers, and we're like, man, he's not good at his job, and he's going to make thirty-six million dollars in cash and cap and tr- and count forty-seven million dollars against cap. Like that stinks. I don't. I am jealous of Daniel Jones for not being very good at his job and getting that much money. But in NFL terms, that is manageable. It's going to be fine. People take dead cap charges like that all the time. It's a one-year thing. They'll, they'll eat it. I'm they, sorry. They won't eat the dead cat. They'll eat the cat pit. Um, they'll have a lost year. They'll rebuild on the fly, and they'll go from there. This is not a good roster. This is not a good team. This is a team that I've told you, we talked about the stability thing. Like They committed to a path when they were lying to themselves about how good they were. And that is, that is an original sin of many, many, many franchises. But they can get out of it Got your happy price, Priceline. Flynn, we're good? That's it? We're good. Wanted to get your thoughts on one more game, the Broncos' big win over the Browns. So first of all, thank you, Flynn. Um, Miles Garrett in a sling after the game is massive because the Browns are already going to have to do it with a little bit of smoke and mirrors because of obviously their incredible defense is not smoke and mirrors. But to win in today's NFL with a real lack of offense, it's going to require some some miracles. And if Miles Garrett is out for any length of time, that changes everything. Russell Wilson's getting better every single week. And there are not – I mean, it's funny because I was thinking about the Bills today. It feels like there are not seven credible AFC playoff teams at this point, but it could be the Bills. And the Bills were in the seventh seed today, and the Bills – uh, could you imagine being a two seed and having to play the damn Bills? They're not a complete team, but I wouldn't want to see them in January. That would be a nightmare. They almost beat the Eagles in the road today. Um so the Broncos, I, I I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. There's no other way to put it. I'm shocked that they're six and five. I'm shocked that and by the way, I got a couple of questions being like, how good do the Dolphins look after hanging 70 on this Broncos team? Like I would it would be funny if we started acting like college where it's like Ooh, Florida State beat LSU and LSU is nine and three now. Let's let's look at that. Like, no, no, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do the CFB selection committee. We're good on that. But five straight wins over a Packers team that keeps looking better and better, a Chiefs team that won the Super Bowl last year, a Bills team that is competent, a Vikings team that was one of the hottest teams in football, and now the Browns, who are one of the best defenses in the modern era by success rate. They have something. They have something. And by the way, it'll be, they have the Texans next week. That'll be a fascinating playoff implications matchup. They have the Chargers the next week, which Lord knows, I don't think it'll be a playoff implications matchup, but it doesn't get any easier. They go Texans, Chargers, Lions. Those are the next three. Then the Patriots, that's a win. And then they end it all with the uh, Chargers and the Raiders. So, not a cakewalk, but they're, if they can beat the Browns like this, if they can beat the Vikings like this, if they can beat the Chiefs like this, then they can make the playoffs. Like I think we look at schedule too much, and we don't look at the actual quality of the team. This team is winning really good games. I'm shocked. I think I was wrong. I believe more in Sean Payton's ability to fix the Broncos long-term than I did for him to fix Russell Wilson either short-term or long-term. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to get back to what he was. But he's a competent NFL quarterback, which I don't think you could say even six weeks ago. And maybe we should have given one of the – maybe I should have given, but I think everybody in media kind of gave up on him. Maybe we should have given one of the best quarterbacks coaches in the history of football a little more time to work his magic, especially in an era where the CBA basically limits any sort of meaningful training camp and practice time and all that stuff. So, it looks like I was wrong um, on the on the Wilson part, on the short term part. It looks like I I probably gave up on Peyton, Sean Payton too early, um, because I I was in on him in September and out of him like out on the entire era in October. Probably a good lesson in there, because this Broncos team is just solid. I don't I don't see I don't see mistakes. I don't see mistakes. So I'll go back and watch it and and delve in a little bit more, but like you don't win five straight games in the NFL on accident. And that sounds like the biggest cliche in the world, but like everybody else is having these little meltdowns. The Chiefs had the worst game of all time on October 29th, and the Broncos are just like, cool, we'll take that win. We'll be fine. Like, yeah, teams are not playing great. The Bills laid a generational egg, but like was it Napoleon? Somebody? Was in Napoleon who said, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake? New Napoleon movie out? Haven't seen it. Don't know if he says that, but listen, if the Broncos are going to feast on teams playing stupid football, guess what? They used to be the team playing stupid football. They're good. All right. Flynn, anything else, bud? Nope. That's all I got for you. All right. Thank you to Flynn. Thank you to Miles. Uh, we will see you midweek. Daniel Jeremiah joins the show midweek and then we have a special nfl legend on friday i believe we have a current nfl player as well joining on the friday episode um i'll keep those anonymous it'll be a nice little surprise uh in your feet on on friday morning um i will see you guys then this is football